think about that. And boy, what a what a uh, goes right along really with the message. I was sitting there thinking, and uh, and I thought, boy, in America, you look around at where we're at, and uh, you know, people didn't used to be ashamed to say, "In God we trust," or like it's coined on our money and. Uh, have the Ten Commandments and talk about God and have God as a part of their life and society. And, and boy, how we've drifted so far from that uh, in America. And, uh, and what, what is, what's really the, the answer to all of that? The answer to all of that is Jesus and the Bible. That's the only thing that's going to fix all of this. We've got to get back to the Word of God. That is the only thing uh, that is going to fix all of our problems. You think about a lot of our society and you think about a lot of the uh, problems that we have and the lack of, uh, really, I, I was thinking this vein, the lack of respect for authority. And uh, really, that's what boils down to. The law, law, lawlessness is a lack of respect for authority. That's what it boils down to. And, uh, and those who do not respect authority and those who do not obey laws. Uh, and, and all of that is all founded in the Word of God. Psalms 127. Uh, I'll be preaching out of Psalms 127. I've been preaching a series on the home and, uh, and preaching through uh, what the home is and God's standard for the home. And it seems like the world has divided and, and calls a home this this thing right here is how the world would define a home. And, and God's definition of a home is far different. And so we're having to drag people back to what God's standard for the home is. What God originally set up, what God originally designed in the home, and what God desires the home to be. And this morning I want to look at God's work in the home. And really, the home has everything to do with our society. Uh, the, the home is so foundational and important uh, that really it is the building block of what our society consists of. And, uh, and so the home is, is the very important foundation for all of that. You know where uh, people learn authority and respect for authority? In the home, when they're two years old, when they're one year old. Uh, that's where they learn that stuff. And if they're taught that then, and by the way, it's kind of funny. Uh, if you have children or raise children, you know this. It seems like you teach that and establish that when they're one and two years old. And then you have to revisit it when they turn ten. And then you have to revisit it when they turn 13. And then you have to revisit it when they turn 16. And, and it seems like, you know, it's not just one lesson taught way back when, but it's something that you build upon and continue to work on uh, throughout the, the, their entire childhood. Uh, and then you send them out in the world. And listen, if they learn respect for authority at home, they don't have too much of a problem with it when they get to work. And they have a boss that tells them, hey, you need to be here at this time. And this is what you need to do. And they don't have much of a problem with it. When, when the laws say, hey, this is what you're supposed to do, and if you break the law and the police catches you, and then, well, you know what, officer, I broke the law. You know what, I was wrong. And, and, and accept the consequences of that. But the problem is, uh, the, and, and listen, we go into school, that's a whole other topic. I'll get off topic on all of that. But the problem is, we've lost authority. And people don't have a respect for that. And so uh, it affects all of our society, and we are really reaping the benefit 
uh, of homes that have been broken and uh, walked away from the Word of God and what God has established and, and look at what our society is delving into or warping into or changing into is that of, well, you can be right and you can be right and everyone can be right and where's the standard? Who, who sets morality? And we've gotten away from that being God. So in Psalm 127, I want to take our text. And the Bible says this in Psalm 127 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early. My, my wife loves that verse. She stops right there. I like the second part. To sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the privilege and opportunity that we have to be gathered in your house, gathered around your word. God, I pray that you would use me this morning. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. And uh, I'm, I, as I was studying for this, I thought, boy, we're going through the book of Psalms on Wednesday night. And if you come on Wednesday night, uh, you know that we have started. And, and so, uh, listen, I reserve the right to re-preach this message on a Wednesday night when we hit Psalm 127. So if five years down the road you remember this message... I'll give you a pass, okay, to not come to church that Wednesday night. Um, if you remember, if you don't remember, that's your fault. That's your problem, all right? I hit Psalm 126, and you'll be like, Pastor said, uh, I don't have to come next Wednesday. Um, I'm just kidding. It's always good to, to look into the Word of God and to be reminded of stuff. And I did go through the book of Proverbs, and it did take me three years. And, uh, and we have the book of Psalms, 150 chapters, and so we might be a while, but, uh, uh, but we'll look forward to it. As we look at this psalm, though, it, it deals almost exclusively with the home. The bulk of this psalm is talking about the home, and it's talking about God's work in the home. I want to touch on this in verse number 3. Look at what it says. The Bible says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. Listen, children are a blessing from the God. That is exactly what it is talking about. And let me just mention this because it's so important that life starts at conception. And uh, our country has totally forgotten that, and, and they think it's, uh, it's man's prerogative uh, to, to choose to kill a life uh, that is in the womb before it comes into the world. But the Bible's very clear about that. Uh, I was looking up the word uh, conceive and conceived, and it's used 14 times. Conceive is used 14 times in Scripture, and conceived is used 16 times in Scripture. 
Now, I want you to think about that word for conceive just for a moment. We're not going to spend a lot of time here, but it is a, a thought that is very important because children are an heritage of the Lord. And so if God gives children, then it's God that's in charge of a lot of those things. So the word conceive can be used for reproduction, but it can also be used for ideas and thoughts. You ever think about that? And it's used both ways in Scripture, matter of fact. Uh, it's not exclusive to just reproduction. It is also used to, to uh, and he conceived in his mind, or actually the Bible says in his heart. And thoughts were born there. And, uh, and, and he was thinking about things. And I was uh, thinking about all of that. And as I, I thought about that word, and I, word studies interest me, I don't know why, uh, but I, I enjoy looking at words. And I, I started thinking about all of that. And, and, and think about this. Think about that word conceive as a thought. And, and think about this, Thomas Edison is credited with having invented the light bulb. Now, he was not the first one to come up with electricity and all of that. Matter of fact, there were several people, and one of the guys, Joseph Swan, uh, actually came up with a filament in a light bulb. And what he had was paper that had been carbonized, and, uh, and when he hooked electricity through it, it would glow and, uh, and produce light. And so as he did that, uh, the problem with it is that paper filament that was carbon would burn up very quickly. So it did not last very long. And so uh, Thomas Edison saw that idea, and, and he started thinking, well, I know exactly what the problem is. The problem is uh, that the, the light bulb, uh, the filament, is too thin. And so he started thinking in his mind, hey, you know what? Metal would be better. And so he got a highly resistant metal that resists electricity and, uh, and made it really thin and connected it to electricity. And when electricity ran through it, it glowed and it lasted longer than in paper. And my point is this, the concept existed in his mind before it ever came to fruition through production. It was a concept. Oh, it wasn't complete. It wasn't fully developed, but it was fully there in his mind. He knew, hey, this will work if I, if I put it together right. And then he went through the processes of making that thing into an actual item uh, that, that would be sold throughout the world for many years afterwards, the light bulb. And what I'm saying is it started as a concept in his mind just as a baby starts as a concept in the womb. It's conceived. And it's the same principle. It exists as a person before it's ever born. We can go through many uh, examples throughout Scripture, but I'll, I'll, I know we've been through them uh, here recently, so I'll spare you. But I wanted to point out that, hey, life does start at conception. And I want us to understand this as well, because the Bible here says in verse number 3, low children are an heritage of the Lord. I just want to point this out, that listen, if you, are, uh, if you do not have children, it does not mean that you are not godly. I looked up in the Bible, the barren women in the Bible. You know what? It's quite an amazing thing. You could go back and do a study on the barren women of the Bible. There's many barren godly women in the Bible that were not able to have children. Uh, you think about this, Sarah and Abraham. That was the first example that came to my mind. Sarah, uh, and you say, well, she did have a child. Yeah, but that was supernaturally of God, a miracle that took place. She was 90 years old. 
She practically spent her entire life uh, as a wife of Abraham, as a barren uh, wife who probably thought, I will never have children until the promise of God came to her life. And then God blessed and God gave her children. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. And she spent her whole life uh, barren without children. How about Rebecca and Isaac, uh, who was also barren? And in Genesis chapter 25 and 21, uh, finally they asked the Lord, and the Lord blessed and, and gave them uh, a set of twins. How about later on with Jacob and Rachel? And uh, Rachel was barren for much of that time until God finally blessed and allowed her to have children. How about Manoah and his wife? We don't even have her name. You say, Manoah, who is that guy? I'll name their child, and then you'll know Samson. But you know what? They were barren for a long time, and God didn't bless them with children until finally God said, hey, I've got a purpose, and you are going to have a child. And again, it was a miraculous thing that God brought forth a child of Manoah and his wife. What about Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1? And, and she, was, she was barren for a long time and did not have children. And, uh, and finally, she prayed and asked God, and God blessed, and she was able to have uh, Samuel, the prophet of God. She gave them back to God. And I'm just saying that there were a lot of women in the Bible who spent most of their adult life, uh, most of their married life, as barren people who were not able to have children. What about Elizabeth in the New Testament? John the Baptist's mom. And uh, for all practical purposes, she too had passed the time. But God had said, hey, listen, uh, I'm going to allow you to have the, a child. And they brought forth John the Baptist into the world. And I'm just saying that children are an heritage of God. And listen, uh, they're not a headache, they're a heritage. Sometimes we think, oh, they're a headache. And listen, uh, sometimes they can give you a headache. I admit to that. I have children. I know what it is. But listen, they are a heritage of the Lord. They're a blessing of God. There were many that in the, in the Bible who physically were not able to have children. Uh, but I want you to understand this. As the, in our text, the Bible says, uh, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. I want you to understand as well that He's in charge, and He knows what's best. We ought to trust Him. Listen, I know that's easier said than done. Man, I've been in situations where uh, you say, man, trust the Lord. And you know what? It is the easiest verse in the world to quote, trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thy own understanding. It's another thing to live it. It's another thing to say it while you're going through that struggle or that hardship that says, man, I don't know where the answers are coming from. I don't know how this problem is going to be resolved. I don't know how this is all going to work out. And you're saying, man, I'm going to trust in the Lord. It's far more difficult uh, to, to, to live that verse than it is to quote that verse. But understand that God is in charge. And listen, sin had taken effect on our world. Not just... Not just your personal sin, but the Bible says that the whole world groaneth and travaileth in sin. You know where weeds come from? You know what? The other day I was trimming that bush. I got three bushes in my front yard. And uh, they're red. That's the only reason I like them, because they kind of stand out amongst all the greenery. They're red. But man, they got those tiny little prickers on them. 
And you can't, I mean, they were growing wild. I'm like, I have got to trim those things. So I trim them. You got to pick them up. And once you pick them up, man, even with leather gloves on, they poke through those leather gloves and they stick your hands. They're about the, I don't even know why we have that bush in my yard, to be honest with you. You know where that stuff comes from? I don't think there were no weeds. There were no prickers before sin. It is the effect of sin on the world. Not just that, but you think about this. All the disease, you think about our genetic defects, you think about all of that. All of that is a result of the fall of sin that has taken its toll on the world. And so just understand that uh, sometimes uh, that affects our life in a negative way. But understand this, that God is in charge and we need to trust Him. And sometimes He doesn't do things that we like and sometimes He, he does things that we don't like and we need to just trust in Him because He is ultimately in charge. And the Bible says that low children are an heritage of the Lord and children are a blessing from God. Look with me back in verse number 1. And the Bible says this, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain, that build it. And I want to think about that thought, building of our young people. I almost put building men and women, but really uh, we, we build them in the process of, of children, when we rear children, and, and going about the fact of raising children. Um, we, need to, we need to build them with God. You know, no knowledgeable builder is going to go out and and build a house, or build even a shed for that matter, without plans. I remember one time my son was in my garage, and, and it could have been any of my kids, because I think they've all done this at one time or not uh, or another, and, and I always have had scrap wood. I, I enjoy doing a little bit of work here and there with wood. I'm, I'm by no means an expert, but, uh, but they go out my garage, and they grab some scrap wood. Dad, can I have this? And I'm like, yeah, you can have that. And, and, uh, and I'm like, what are you going to do with it? And they're like, I'm going to build something. Like, knock yourself out. Have a ball. And so they, uh, they go out, and I'm like, what are you, you going to build? Oh, I'm going to build uh, this. I'm going to build a box. I'm going to build a this. I'm going to build a that. I'm going to build a shelf. And, uh, and so I'm like, well, what's, what's your plan? Oh, I, I, I'm just going to do it. I'm like, all right. You knock yourself out. Have a ball. I've not once had one of my children come in and say, man, this is the most beautiful box I built it with no plans, and it's wonderful. It doesn't work that way. You have to have plans. You have to know what you are building, even for a simple idea and for a simple object. And I can't tell you uh, how many times I've, I've had to build something and I design something and I, I write it down on a piece of paper and I draw it out. Why? Because we need a plan. Listen, for our children and for our families, we need to have a plan to be able to raise godly children. It's not going to happen by accident. Uh, I read this story many years ago, and, and, and I, it goes something like this, that there were uh, a set of uh, families, and they each had their children, and, and the one children, they were, uh, were well-behaved, and, and they would go out in public, and the other, uh, the other family, their children were not so well-behaved. 
And uh, matter of fact, they were uh, pretty ornery and pretty uh, much troublemakers and, and very difficult. And, and, uh, and these two were talking one day and, and the one said to the other, and they said, well, you've been really blessed. Your children are just really good. And, and that person thought, no, no, that's not true. My children are not good. I've, I've trained and taught them into being good. Children are really all the same. The Bible says that we're all sinners. And the Bible says that every person is a sinner and every person has sin in their life and has a sin nature in their life. And you have to have a plan to go about to, to have a, a child that would, that would be good. And so this family said to the other family, I tell you what, you lend me your child, just one of them, we'll just tackle one at a time, for two weeks. And I'll show you that your child can act like mine. And it was rough the first couple of days. Rough. But I tell you what, at the end of that two weeks, that child acted just like those other ones. And that parent realized that's not, that didn't happen by accident. That happened through a process. That happened through a, a plan. That happened through a week, a, a plan that, that they went about. And the Bible says here that except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. We must have a, a plan and it must involve God for raising our children. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, what does that word nurture mean? The word nurture means tender care, education, and training. Listen, we have a responsibility to train and to educate our children. It's something that takes time. Uh, we think, well, we send them off to school. Uh, listen, bless God, God never uh, said, hey, send off your children to school to train them. He did tell the fathers and the parents to train their children. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't send your kid to school, but I'm saying uh, it's not the school's responsibility to train your children. Matter of fact, some people will say, well, I send my child to church. That's a good thing. Uh, and you ought to send your child to church. But listen, God never ordained the church to train your children. He did ordain the fathers and the mothers to train and teach their children. And so we have a responsibility as parents to teach and train our children. Listen, it takes work to sit down and train children. It takes work to instruct them and tell them, hey, this is how you do it, and this is what needs done, and this is what you are supposed to do. It is something that, that takes time. It is not easy. And I need to say this as well, that listen, more is caught than is taught. In other words, I'll say it this way. This is another saying I know I've used before, but your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder then your talk talks. Let's say that one more time. Your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Hey, listen, how we live our life is an example for our children. 
And we ought to instruct them. We need to verbally tell them things. We need to give them the instruction of how they are to live their life. And I'm not just talking Bible. Hey, listen, you need to teach your children work ethic. You need to teach your children how to take out the trash, how to do the dishes, how to, how to mow the lawn, how to, how to sweep the house, how to pick up and how to do that. I'm blown away. I talk to people and, and they're like, man, uh, the kids that come in 16 years old, they don't know how to clean. They don't know how to cook. They don't know how to do anything. Why is that? Because nobody has taught them to do those things. Hey, that's parents' responsibility. Hey, we have a responsibility to teach them those things. It's not easy, and it takes work, and it takes time, and it takes effort. But the Bible commands it. He says, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture an admonition of the Lord. In other words, hey, we have got to nurture, we've got to train, we've got to teach them. Not only nurture, but listen, admonition, what does that word mean? Well, it means warning, reproof, authoritative advice. Listen, sometimes you have got to tell your children when they are wrong. It's not pleasant. Nobody enjoys it. Nobody enjoys saying, that's not right, don't do that but it has to be done. The Bible tells us that we are to bring them up in the nurture and admonition. Listen, we, we are suffering with a society that has tried to befriend their children for their entire life and tried to advise their children as a friend to their child. Listen, you know why we have so many problems? Because some of these kids have grown up and never had somebody tell them what you're doing is wrong and you need to stop that. They've never understood that. They've never been admonished for wrongdoing. And that's why when a police officer comes along and pulls them over, they get an argument with the police officer, I was not, and this ain't wrong, and this is why, and I'm an exception to the rule. Because they think they are. They have been their whole life. And I'm just telling you, God has a plan that He's laid out in His Word, and we need to bring our children up in the nurture that is training and teaching and admonition. And then that last word, uh, listen, the admonition, let me cover this as well. Uh, listen, it's not just telling your children wrong, but it's also punishment. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 15, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. When their little child is born and you got that precious little baby, man, you think they are an angel. And they look like an angel until 2 o'clock in the morning when they're crying. And then they don't look like an angel anymore. I'm sorry, I'm a dad and I'm not a mom. But, but you need to understand and recognize there is foolishness bound in the heart of that child. Oh, they're sweet and precious, yes. I don't disagree with that. But the foolishness is already bound in the heart of that child. The verse goes on and it says this, But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. You know what's wrong with our society? We've gotten away from the Word of God and God's biblical mandate to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and correcting and punishing our children. Listen, it is not abuse, and I'm telling you, don't abuse your child. That's wrong. God's against abuse. You shouldn't abuse a child. But there is a definite format of correction that God has designed, and, and He's designed a nice little part of our anatomy 
that can receive a whack pretty well. And I'm just saying that's why, that's a lot of our problems in our society. And, and, and I'm just telling you, the Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. And we must love and punish our children and tell them why it's wrong, because God said it's wrong, and why it's wrong, and how it needs to be fixed, and reaffirm that you love your child. They need to know that. Talking about raising your children, building young people for the Lord you got to have a plan. It has to come from the Word of God. But not only that, listen, as we go back to our text here, it says, except the Lord build a house, you must have faith in God. Listen, practical things are not to be neglected. The practical teachings of your children are not to be neglected. You have got to teach those things. But in addition to that, you have got to trust that God will help you and strengthen you and instill those things that you teach to your child. Because except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. We've got to trust the Lord. Our spiritual side of things must not be neglected. You need to take your kids to church, not send them to church. Hey, listen, if you, if you skip church, don't be surprised that they do lead later. Your kids need to see you reading the Word of God. Your kids need to see you leading in prayer in your home. Your kids need to see you singing hymns and, and, and serving the Lord and doing things with a good attitude, not for other people, but because you genuinely love the Lord and want to serve Him. Hey, your children need to see that in your life. They see that. More is caught than is taught. Your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. We're talking about building young people. You've got to have a plan, and you've got to go about that plan, and it's got to be an 18, 19, 20-year plan that you're going to stick to for all that time because I'm telling you it's important that we raise our children for the Lord. Look at the second, the third thing. Not only our children a blessing from the Lord and we must build our children in the Lord but the, 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 the third thing as we look at our text is they must we need to instill a belief in God look with me at verses number one and two the Bible says except the Lord build the house they labor in vain that build it except the Lord keep the city the watchman waketh but in vain it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. We need to pray for our children and say, Lord, I'm doing the best I can, and you know how to do the best you can. But hey, ultimately, you got to say, Lord, I'm doing all of this, and I need your help, and I need your blessing, and I need your wisdom, and I need your work in these children's lives because I cannot do it all. We're not, a, we're not a, making an exception and excusing ourselves from our responsibility. We're ingrained in our responsibility, but we're trusting God to help us, trusting God to give us the strength, trusting God to give us the, the, the results that we, that we need. The Bible says in John 14, 13, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Listen, how do you pray for your children? Pray for, pray for their salvation. 
Pray for their life. Pray for the jobs that they will get in the future. You know, pray for uh, that they would live right and walk right and they would do what God would have them to do. Uh, you know, you go back and you read the life of Job. Job offered a sacrifice for his children uh, just in case they sinned. God, forgive my children. I'm going to offer a, a, a sacrifice for them just in case they may have sinned. Listen, pray for your children. Be concerned about them. Uh, pray, that, uh, pray for their future spouse. Pray for their walk with the Lord. Listen, start now. Even if they're grown, God is still in the life-changing business. And it's never too late to start praying for your children. My parents, and I've, I'm sure there's other stories, but my parents prayed for my grandfather for 20 years. Didn't go to church. Was not saved. 20 years. Finally, he got saved. Listen, sometimes it takes time. Sometimes you just have to be persistent and pray and pray and pray and ask God. And I'm just saying that we need to pray for our children and instill a belief in God because except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And then we have to uh, purposefully prioritize. Think about this. I think about this verse often. The Bible says when Daniel was carried away from Babylon and the king started feeding him, Daniel had been raised in a Jewish home as a, as a young person and, and, and there were dietary restrictions that he would adhere to because that was what he was taught growing up. And, and even though he was still young when he was taken away, the Bible says in Daniel 1a, but Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. In other words, the king... He didn't care nothing about the Jewish dietary restrictions. And he said, I'm going to feed them what we would feed the rest of our, our guys. And, and Daniel said, hey, I, I don't want to defile my life like that. Listen, we need a purpose in our life. We need to have purpose in our life and say, you know what? I don't want my children to be defiled by this world. I don't want my children to live a wrong life. And with purpose, raise our children for the purpose of serving the Lord and, and prioritize that in our life. How do you do that? You do that by reading your Bible. You do that by walking with the Lord. You do that by, by prioritizing God in your life and raising them with that priority instilled in their life, except the Lord build a house. They labor in vain that build it. And then it says, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late and to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. You know what he's saying? Trust in the Lord that God's going to work it out. We're not excusing our responsibility. We're doing our part, but we're also trusting in God and saying, God, I need your help. I need your strength. I need you to help raising my children. Would you set out to build a house without a plan? I wouldn't. I could frame a wall. I know how to do that. I can dry up, drywall up a, a house. I can mud it. I can paint it. I can even run the wires and hook up the switches. I can't design all that part, but I can run the wires and hook it up. I could probably hook up most of the plumbing. I probably couldn't design it, but I could hook it up. But I wouldn't attempt to do any of that without a diagram. I've done my fair share of on-the-fly design. It's no fun. You know what it ends up? Pardon the expression, it ends up a hillbilly design. Sorry, hillbillies. Looks kind of redneck. Why? Because I didn't have a good design. I, 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 didn't, I didn't 
I didn't fix it right. I, I ran into this hole and I thought, oh, I can't go, we'll take it out of the wall around, the, around that and go back into the wall and, and we'll have this pipe sticking out of the wall. We'll mud around it. Maybe we'll hang a picture on it. It'll be okay. And we need to have a plan. Listen, the plan, the plan's right here. Follow God's plan. You know what? You won't be sorry that you followed God's plan for your home. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. God, homes are the building block of our society. Our society is only as strong as our homes are and as our families are. And God, it's honestly no wonder that our society is falling apart the way our families have been attacked and destroyed by the philosophies of the world that are so contrary to the Word of God. God, I pray that you'd help us to follow your Word and obey your Word in raising our children. God, it's not always easy and God, there's things that pop up that we don't sometimes even understand. But God, we need your strength and your help. And God, may we be dependent upon you to raise godly families in 2022. I pray, Father, that you'd help and strengthen each one of our families. Families grandchildren, great-grandchildren. God, I pray that you'd give us families that are strongly knit to you. Help us to be that family that's strongly tied to you. God, we'll thank you for that. God, we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed as piano's playing. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Listen, this morning if you're here and maybe you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, that is the first step to following God's plan. God loves you and He died on the cross for you to save you from your sin, to change your life. He wants you to put His faith and your faith and your trust in Him and Him alone for salvation. It's not good works that will save us. It's God's salvation that He offers. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It goes on and says in verse, chapter 6 and verse 23, For the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. God wants to offer us salvation. He loves us. He knows that our sin will send us to hell and He wants us to be changed in our life, to be saved. And, and you say, preacher, well, how do I do that? And you simply, as the Bible says, ask Him to save you. Repent of your sin. Say, God, save me. Realize that you have sin. That He'll change your life. He wants to change your life. He'll forgive your sins. But you got to trust Him. 
ask him to save you. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, and with the heart uh, man believeth unto righteousness. It goes on in verse number 13. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, if you'll call on God, say, God, I want to be saved. He'll save you. It's that simple. Maybe you've never done that. If you want to do that today, I'd be more than happy to take the Word of God and show you those verses and go through that. You talk with me after scripture or, you, or after church or you can come down and we'll have somebody take the word of God and show you how you can know for sure that you're saved. Most important thing as the piano continues to play. Maybe you just want to pray for your children. Maybe you want to pray for your grandchildren. Maybe you want to pray for your family, whatever the need. Low children are in heritage of the Lord. 